Welcome to Comedian Talking Baseball, our weekly MLB recap podcast where myself, comedian Joe Kilgallen, along with comedian Mike Bridenstine, come at you from Chicago and L.A. We, re-keep the, we recap the week that was in Major League Baseball, get into the history of the game, nerd out on some stats, and basically our goal is to just try to make you love baseball as much as we love baseball. Mike Bridenstine, how are you? I want to start saying Santa Maria when I'm excited now. Could you explain, real quick, recap slightly for everybody? That is what, what's his name? The guy who everyone forgets from the ESPN <laughs> Sunday Night Crew. Everyone knows A-Rod and Mendoza. What's his name again? His name is Not Boog Shambi. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was a walk-off Grand Slam, and we'll get into the history of how insane that was. But the announcer yelled out Santa Maria, which I know is one of the boats that the Pilgrims came over on. But why? <laughs> oh, because his name is David Bodie. I just figured it out. No, but I think that, oh, shit, well, that's... No, is that it or not? Why, why, do, you, why do you say that, then? I think that's his holy cow. Does he do that all the time? I think so. I think that, I think that's his thing. I did not know that. Okay. <laughs> but holy shit. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> you thought that the guy was making a boat pun and he went with... Santa Maria? That's awesome. Oh, it sounds better than Pinto. <laughs> <laughs> the Pinto! Uh, all right. Or maybe, I don't know, Titanic, he could have yelled out. That was a Titanic blast from David oh, Bowie's ship. Get it, Bowie? He should have. He should have. The USS Iowa. Oh, you know, on their Twitter, yes, the Cubs' Twitter said, uh, ship it, like, and showed Bodie hitting the Grand Slam. And it was like boat emoji. So I'm like, oh, boaty boat, ship. Is that what they meant? Ah. You know, I'm starting, I'm getting dangerously close to that part, point in my life where I'm like, you know what? I'm done figuring out new slang. I've accumulated all the slang I want to during these 33 years on earth. And I'm now slowly going to that dad that's just like, you crazy kids. I don't even know what you're talking about. And I don't want to be that guy because I feel like I should, I still got a good another 10 years of, knowing who the hot new artist is or knowing what's what. But uh, I don't know, man. I don't think of you digging into this shit. Man, I had a birthday this weekend. and Yeah, happy birthday, Brido, everybody. Thank you. I turned 39. And when I was a kid growing up, my neighbor across the street, Mrs. Wagner, she turned 40, and they put up, like, black uh, streamers everywhere, and it said, Lordy, Lordy, look who's 40. Diane's over the hill, and everybody wore black, and there was black balloons, and I remember when my dad turned 40 and everything. Do you think my dad or Mrs. Wagner at 40 would have known uh, about trap music and stuff like that <laughs> or cared about no. it? No, probably not. Uh, but, you know, as a comedian, I want to be on the pulse of what's happening. I think... Uh... But I always wondered that, you know, because when we were little kids in the car, our parents listened to the oldie station. Yeah. And it makes me think, what at what age you just decide, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. I'm going back. Uh, 35. I do 35. Or uh, before 45, that. Maybe. I mean, like, when's the last time that you were like, oh, this whole album by Father John Misty is good? Yeah, I mean, there's a few new bands that I still get into. I like this band called the Orwells. They're kind of like a cool little punk band, I guess. But they're like a throwback. They sing a lot about partying and stuff like that. 
I like partying. And yeah, who doesn't, right? But yeah, you're. I mean, there's not a whole. I, I still, I still listen to new music on the radio. I'm not like I haven't switched over. Although there's a new '90s R&B station in Chicago that plays like Bone Thugs and Harmony and, yeah. like, and like Nas's early stuff, and like every now and then they'll drop like the Coolio. It's like all like '90s, like tons of Tupac and Biggie. I mean, that's a fucking great station. So maybe the shift is already starting to happen for our generation. I just radio don't like stations it like that. Called, uh, that you called uh, Nas R&B. I meant like I mean hip hop slash R and B because you it's weird, dude. You'll hear they'll play um, Snoop Dogg Gin and Juice, and then the next song is In Vogue. Oh, weird. It's it's a little weird, but it's but that was all the stuff. But those were played on the same station, though. Yeah, I, I feel see. like a lot of hip hop and R and B are kind of put together. A lot of the hooks are R and B. The Fugees are both Bone. Th- are yes. Both. Yeah. Outcast kind of has a little bit of both. The remix to Ignition. I'll straight out the kitchen, my friend. All right. Um, we got a lot of fun baseball. It was a fun week weekend for baseball, I feel, overall. Um, some interesting things to talk about there. Yes, I'm getting old. Uh, Brido, though, did you have a good birthday, my, my friend? I did. And I should say, since we last spoke on the podcast, you did a phenomenal job. You knocked it out of the park on my, my favorite game videos, which... Uh, I'm getting a lot of great. Yeah, well, you started those since then. Uh, summarize what it is and where you got the idea for everybody. And before you do that, I need to apologize for us not having a podcast last week. There were some scheduling conflicts on both of our ends. Um, more me by hitting you up last minute, and you had some fun little stuff to do. And then I had a son, which is true. Everybody, my little boy was sick for a few days there, but yeah. he's better now. He's on the mend. Can Joe and, take um, care of his fucking sick baby son? You guys, Jesus. Yeah. Come on. All right. Well, tell, tell them about this really cool thing you started. And you've been pumping them out, my friend. You've got, like, what, 15 videos out now? Yeah. Content creator. Yeah. Uh, so last week before the show, before we recorded, I said, hey, will you send me a voicemail just telling me about your favorite baseball game of all time? And you said, I, want to, I think it's too obvious to talk about game seven. I want to talk about the wild card game with the Pirates. And I said, that's a great game, Joe. But someone's going to fucking pick game seven and might as well be you. Like, I, I mean, honestly, who would I rather have talk about it besides you? Thank you for that. You were right. Someone else would have done it and I would have been upset that I wasn't the one. So I appreciate that you have my best interest at heart. Thank you. Other that. people have said game seven and I said, why don't you pick something else? And so Joe Good left man. me a voicemail. Joe had nothing to go off of. Joe just talked. And left me a voicemail describing uh, Game 7 of the World Series of 2016. I should say, not 2017. <laughs> and uh, I made a video of it using uh, clips from the game and clips from the past because he brings up other things. And I put it up. People loved it. And so I started making more. Uh, a lot of college football, some college basketball, other baseball games. Josh Sneed did an amazing uh, 2010 Reds uh, clinching the playoffs game. Uh, I like other good those. ones on the way. Some, uh, you know, listener donkey. He he did a great one with uh, his was very good. An Iowa game, and so it's been fun. Megan Gailey uh, did one about your old podcasting partner. Megan Gailey did one about the Indianapolis Colts, and uh, the guy. <laughs> That made the interception off Brady, Marlon Jackson, uh, shared it on Facebook. So that was kind of neat. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Hers was good. I saw that. 
there were a lot. I mean, you're really pumping them out, my friend. It's great. I like, uh, by the way, why the fuck do I keep saying my friend? You ever start saying something where you're like, I don't say my friend a lot. Why am I saying it today, though? I go through phases. My wife goes through phases like a motherfucker. Like, she'll start saying something, and I'll be like, I'll bring it up, and I'll be like, why are you saying that all the time now? She's like, I'm not saying it. So at least you notice it. Yeah. I'm, I'm picking up. I'm like, have I been uh, listening to John McCain's speeches? Because I think he says my friend. Who else says my friend? John Stewart says my friend, maybe? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, I'm honored, though. Because uh, the, I think you're calling it my favorite game, the video series, which does include some favorite matches, but it's still all in the same. Yeah, I have uh, like Colt Cabana and Ryan Nemeth, uh, who are uh, independent wrestlers. Ryan Nemeth is, of course, uh, Dolph Ziggler's younger brother. And he talks about his favorite Dolph Ziggler match. Matt McCarthy and Vince Averill, they do the We Watch Wrestling podcast. Fantastic. Like, so I'm getting like people who are passionate about a thing to talk about it and it's been it's been fun man like i actually enjoy it well that's that's the key because if you enjoy it you'll it, it shows it shows in the work because you make it look great i love it and i know i knew when you first made the video for me and i'm, I'm glad that i got to be the pioneer of it because people are kind of listening to mine and then going off oh that's what he's looking for and which is kind of feels cool you totally and, and you had nothing to go off of and I feel like even like Vince Averill's video about Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat, he's like, then in the bottom of the ninth, we got George the Animal Steel. And it's like, oh, because he's basing it off of uh, he's basing it off of Joe's. But Vince is a huge, huge baseball fan also. No, I like the way he did. I, I caught his. It was good, too. Well, you got to subscribe on YouTube because you're putting them there. You're also on your Facebook page, Twitter. Uh, your YouTube is, is just YouTube.com slash Mike Bridenstine, I take it? Uh, yeah, it's it, and I have a playlist with all of them on it. So watch them now before they get flagged for copyright violation, everybody. Uh, you should be pretty good with most of them, though. Um, I know, I think baseball was dickish about it for a while, people told me. Baseball was horrible for a while. Yeah, I think they've actually loosened that up because the, the NBA was the smartest. The NBA was like, if our fans want to make highlight videos, right? Please do, go for it. You're all you're doing is advertising our product, and the NFL was like, "Well, yeah, good point." And plus, with the NFL, we're worth so much money, we would look petty suing, you know, YouTube, some, yeah, people for a ten second clip of someone, you know. Uh, but so, so hopefully, you're good there. I really hope you are. Uh, yeah, everyone, you got to check them out. Uh, also, I knew after I saw the one you that other comedians. And actors and entertainers, whoever else you were going to ask, wrestlers, were going to jump all over it. Because to me, it's this great, like, highlight. You got pictures of me at games. You got a picture of my wife in there. You got, like, it's this really cool thing that when my son's old enough, I'll be able to show him that as me describing how I felt about the Cubs winning the World Series. I think Megan Gailey posted, I'll play this at my funeral. Yeah, like, she dude, you do such a great job, man. I'm not, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not kissing your ass anymore. We'll fight about something later. So, uh, but I just wanted to uh, give you more props for that. No, it's it's been. I mean, it's been great, and you set the tone. I forgot what I was going to say, so now I'm just rambling. I had something, but whatever. Well, and interrupt when you need to. I don't care. Uh, you know, we interrupt each other constantly, anyway. So, but let's talk about last night's ESPN Sunday night game of the week between the Washington Nationals and the Chicago Cubs. The Nationals are about five back in the NL East, playing much better ball of late. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a crowded field, and they still could very well win that division. You and I both have been winning the division before the season started, so it's definitely been a disappointing year for the Nationals in that regard. 
That's going to be a crazy, a crazy race with the Phillies and Braves, especially for a wild card spot because there's there's like four or five teams looking at trying to win 88 games there, including the Brewers, the Dodgers, Diamondbacks. Like so, the National League is going to be the exciting shit, uh, and I guess maybe the second fucking wild card in the American League or the a well yeah the second wild card coming out of the West, the American League is dog shit. Like, that's not exciting anymore. It's not really, because, yeah, the Red Sox uh, are, are they ever going to lose again? I don't, like, they are unbelievable. Red Sox fans, we will give you your due. Um, you know, the Red Sox were a team that I had rooted for, and then they started winning so much, it was like, all right, slow down. Okay, <laughs> like, I think that as a city, their fan base, everyone got a little annoyed with them because they were just dominant in everything. In every sport, they were winning championships. Right. Um, yeah. Isn't John Cena even from Boston? Like, I feel like they, in everything, they had some sort of representation. <laughs> yeah. He, they have Tom Brady, John Cena. They have uh, <laughs> Mookie Betts, yeah. Chris Bale. <laughs> Big Poppy, David Ortiz up until a couple years ago. Um, in basketball, they won a ring in 2009. Um, and then in hockey, they won. The Bruins won the cup in 2011. So, yeah, they're just, like, always right there. So it was, kind of, it was getting a little, like, all right, stop it. But they're an organization that does it right. And our, our guy, Theo Epstein, still has his uh, fingerprints all over this Red Sox team. Yeah. A lot of talent he got there. J.D. Martinez, I still don't believe, can't for, um, believe how long it took for a team to finally sign him this past offseason. Because it wasn't like with the pitchers. Where you're like Darvish, Arietta, you know, who, who are we going to gamble on here? Like, you could see some waiting out there. But to me, Jay Martinez, 45 home runs last year. I mean, you know, he was an American League guy, I guess, because he's, not, I mean, he was in the National League last year, but he, he, with defensive metrics, he's more of an American League guy. Right. Uh, and this, and this year, he's going to, he might get to, you think he's going to get to 50? JD? <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it, but I mean, probably not, though. But I, if, when he does, let me see real quick. I got to double check how many games he has left because I know the Red Sox are, I think, 83 and 33. They're 50 games over 500 exactly. I mean, it I might have their exact record in front. Go after that uh, 1906 2001 Mariners record of 116 wins. The, the Dodgers were flirting with that last summer. Yeah, JD Martinez has 37 home runs right now. I say he gets to 50. I'm not, you're hearing it right here. 50 home runs for JD this year. Oh, that seems kind of easy. Hey, at least 13 more. They, they've got they got to have at least 50 games left or about 45, 50. I Probably thought 45. like, like uh, doesn't like Giancarlo Stanton have 30? Stanton has, I know Judge has 30. Let's see. Judge has, they both have 30. Judge and Stan both have 30 home runs apiece. Stan has been quiet because he sucks No, so I'm sorry. Judge is 26. I read the wrong thing. Yeah, Stan's gotten hot. He's got, like, he's having a big week. He hit his, a ball. Uh, his ball. war is up to 3-8 now. He hit a ball 121 miles an hour or something yesterday. They said it was the hardest hit ball of the StatCast era. Stan, if you recall, last year kind of went nuts in August and September, which is kind of what he's doing right now. Um, which if you're the Yankees, you're happy with that, but you're also nine games out of first place. So I think 
they're just looking at the wild card. It is really something because uh, it's such an uphill battle with the American League side of the bracket uh, because that one game wild card, they have to pitch their best pitcher, which is Cervino. Right. I said that correct, right? Yeah, Cervino. And um, I'll go with Severino, but you can say whatever you is want. Is it Severino? See, I have a friend named Cervino, and that's why I'm screwing it up. That happens to me sometimes. Yeah. People, yeah. No, because there, there are some last names where you're like, my whole life it was pronounced that way, and then you pronounce it this way. Like, there's that French actor. You're like, your name? And he's like, no, it's Martinez. And I'm like, dude, this is this is why people have trouble with the French. It's Martinez. Martinez. Motherfucker, it's Martinez. You know what I mean? And then you're like, I'm not even watching your movies, weird French guy. Well, there was Natalie Jose for a while. Yes. Good friend of mine, actually. I haven't talked to her in a while, though. I uh, doubt she's listening. Uh, we would have heard. We know Melissa's our, our female listener. Uh, Melissa, you're the best. Thanks for listening. She uh, hit me up saying thanks for the shout-out last week. So I think I'm just going to give her a shout-out every week so she keeps listening every week. And then maybe we'll get other women that way. I don't know. Um, she's yeah, a real... Spelled- Melissa is the Susan B. Anthony of the podcast. There you go, Melissa. I don't know if uh, if you're single, put that on your Tinder. I'm the Susan B. Anthony of Comedians Talking Baseball. That's my <laughs> profile. Glass for you. An S her V. <laughs> um, freaking uh, Natalie Jose. It's spelled Jose. So a lot of people were like, Natalie Jose. And she's like, no, it's Jose. So I'm like, all right, well, that's just confusing. Anyway, the Yankees would have to uh, pitch him first game. Like how to even pronounce, try to pronounce it the second time around. Severina. Severino. And then after that, so then you're going into the series against, if you win, you're going to face probably Boston, definitely Boston, actually, because I don't think, he, I, don't, I don't see them slowing down to the point oh my where God, yeah. overtakes them for the one. Round, that first round would be fucking Boston against the wildcard team. Holy shit. That's fun. I, yeah, it's very fun. And, and you never know what can happen. So it could be Boston, Oakland, or it could be Boston, New York. And Boston, New York, you got you got to. I mean, Chris Sale going game one against the Yankees number two. That's kind of a drop off. Well, Who's their number two right now for the Yankees. It might be CC. CC. I mean, is Tanaka pl- pitching again, or is he? I last time he was banged up a while ago, but I think he's back. Right? Didn't they get J Hap? They did. So J Hap. But to me, he's the number three. He's number three to me. Now let me see. Let me see. The Yankees needed pitching. Got some. Um, Sonny go. Graceman got awful. You're not pitching him in a playoff game. Yeah, but don't you kind of like CC in a game the same way that like I Lack- like. I mean, Lackey could. You felt I know that Lackey fucking sucked last year in the playoffs, but like, don't you kind of like uh, the idea of CC in a October game? I I do, but not to comparison to Lackey. I would have to check CC's. Advanced numbers. I just knew Lackey gave me a sick feeling going into the playoffs because Lackey last year gave up so many home runs. And people forget. It's funny that every year come playoff time, there's always the one team that fans will say, well, they rely on the home run ball too much. But they forget come playoff time, the home run ball is huge. Yeah. Because in the playoffs, you're facing the teams. You're facing the best teams. And the best teams typically have some of the best pitching. And it's very hard to string two or three hits in a row against good pitchers. So that's why the home run ball is key. I got to say that, I mean, Sonny Gray's FIP is bad, but his ERA is horrible. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just had a, he was, he's been a major disappointment. I don't know. He's never really recovered from that one injury. 
Remember he had that year with Oakland in 2015, I want to say, where he had an ERA in the low twos with a, with a, with all, all good stats across the board, you know? Yeah, we, um, uh, we used to text with each other saying, like, this might have been last year. We're like, we should go after Sonny Gray, like the Cubs at the, at the trade deadline and everything. I did. I wanted him because I thought there was no way we would get Quintana because I figured the Sox went to a trade with us. Right. And there, there wasn't a whole lot available last year. We debate Archer about every year, but that's probably done now. But Yeah, now that he's with Pittsburgh, that is definitely over. Uh, I'm trying to think right now. Yeah, anyway, so the Yankees got a, definitely a, a tough battle there. The national side of things, which is what we're going back to with this game, you've got uh, the Cubs now with a three-game lead. That's why it was such a big win for the Cubs, not just the dramatic fashion in which it happened, but uh, the Brewers had already lost yesterday. And, you know, and we're facing the Brewers for a two-game set Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. So to go in with a three-game lead is nice because say you – you know, knock on, you don't have to knock on wood, but say you lose. Yeah. Uh, you're still got a one game lead. You don't want to leave that series tied with anybody. So that three game lead is, it's just, you feel a little bit better. Three is a, it's a nicer number. Two, ooh, two's a little too close for comfort. I don't like two. One, who I'm shitting my pants. I don't like one. So uh, <laughs> it's definitely, it was de- it just, let's just recap it too. You got a pitcher's duel with Max Scherzer and Cole Hamels, who Cole Hamels, by the way, a lot of people are saying it could be the Cubs Verlander this year. And I know there are people going like, dude, Cole Hamels has been shit. Why, you know, I, I know you weren't too thrilled about it. Why are we this? What are we this? And I didn't, I didn't know what to expect, but I was trying to be optimistic because as I read about him, his fastball was still 96. It'd be one thing if this guy had had a major drop off in velocity where it's like, oh yeah, this guy, you know, it wasn't like Dan Heron when he came over to the Cubs and he was joking about how yeah, throw 88 miles an hour now. I no longer could even <laughs> touch 90. Like you know, his his Twitter handle. By the way, Dan Heron is great on Twitter. His Twitter handle is um, I throw eighty eight, <laughs> and he's pretty he's pretty cool. He's a good dude. He like um, he's he's funny on Twitter. He's he's right up there like Brandon McCarthy and a, a couple other people who are Sean Doolittle's pretty good about some stuff. I think where they like they got a sense of humor about the fact that they're professional athletes and they don't take themselves too seriously. Uh, anyhow, though, but Cole Hamill's like I, heard, uh, I found out. I'm like this guy Brewer is really still throws ninety Twitter stuff too. Who? The reliever on the Brewers. He has some good Twitter stuff when he was 18. Oh, yeah, dude. Sorry, man. I was talking over what would have been a really good joke there. <laughs> it's my, okay. Yeah. My ball. My bad, buddy. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, I think uh, I think maybe Hamels just needed to change the scenery. Maybe, you know, he's just bored down in Texas. That ballpark was a little unforgiving for him. A lot of balls in most ballparks that are just, you know, easy fly balls turn into farmers there. Uh I don't know. Also, don't want to get too ahead of myself because it's only been three starts, but two of the three starts that were against good offenses. I mean, obviously, beating Kansas City isn't that big a deal. Um, but yeah, yesterday, Cole Hamels looked sharp. I mean, nine Ks over seven innings. Uh, definitely, the fastball was consistently at 95, 96. Had a lot of good hitters looking stupid. And what, what also made me wanting to believe in the trade was that we didn't give up shit. Right. You know what I mean? So to me, I was like, if he comes in and, and is better than Chatwood, which is going to be hard to do, right. then the trade's a win. I think some people are like, oh, we got Cole Hamels. Well, he's not the same Cole Hamels he used to be. I go, yeah, but we're also not paying him the way Cole Hamels used to be. Texas is paying most of the contract. We gave up a mid-level at best prospect that nobody had ever heard of until his name was mentioned in a trade. 
and and all he has to do is be better than our number five because that that was what we were looking for the upgrade. No, I, so I don't. I, I guess don't. that when I was being a pragmatist, let's say about it, and bringing up how terrible he's been this year, that wasn't to be like I hope he fails or anything like that. I had just been getting text messages from more casual fans being like, "Fuck yeah, Cole Hamels." Because they know him in their head as he's a good pitcher. And I was just like, chill the fuck out. Because he's not the same fucking Cole Hamels. Yes, I wanted to be wrong. Yes, a change of scenery could be amazing for him. Yes, he's still Cole Hamels. And just like Verlander was quote-unquote done, and then he gets like a career resurgence. I mean, he was still... He had an amazing year with the Tigers like the year before. So I don't want to act like... All of us. No, yeah, it's it's different. Better. You're right. It's where Cole Hamels, you could argue, his first year at Texas was good. Last year, and eh, not really. And this year was really bad. Although the road numbers were way different, were um, were better. So, uh, but you're right. Overall, he was still a below average pitcher. What was his ERA plus ninety nine or something? You were saying, which hundred is average? Yeah, his ERA plus was ninety nine. So it's like you're getting a slightly below average pitcher. So it's not fucking Cole Hamels twenty. 15 and before you know yeah that's true so i get i get where you're coming from by saying settle down everyone it's not the same cole hamels you remember from a couple years ago this guy hasn't been good since 2016 and you know blah 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 but that's where i was kind of like on the other side of things going all right i get that but we didn't pay a cole hamels 2015 2016 price tag so that's you know what this could be one of those yeah, there's a lot of upside to it. And, and that's why I like I like those moves. And I think Theo's been pretty good at those moves. And the Cubs are overall, under Theo, have been good at what's called a high ri- uh, no, low risk, high reward. Where you're like, look, we didn't give up shit. And if he works out, then this is, this is, a, this is a big plus. We didn't give up but a if he does arrow for Mitch Williams. Yeah, we didn't give up uh, a guy who would end up with 503,000. Well sauced up. So you're, by the way, it's funny you mentioned Rafael Palmero though, because uh, uh, Barry Bonds' jersey got inducted in the Hall of Fame. Oh, you know, let's, we'll skip. We'll, we'll wait one second on the Bonds Palmero thing that I just thought of. And um, you were you watching the game live? Because we didn't even tell people how the game ended. We we're just saying, Sir Cole Hamels, um, a pitcher's duel. But Scherzer is unbelievable. Uh, that guy is so damn good. And I think he's a lock for the Hall of Fame already. They were saying, oh, you know, one more one more Cy Young out of him. He's definitely a first ballot. I think he's probably first ballot right now. Um, he's, his playoff numbers are not terrible, but they're definitely not as good, too, which makes me think, do these guys just burn out come October? Guys like him and David Price and Kershaw, where you're like, I don't understand how in June – you're flirting with no hitters and 15 strikeout games, but then come October, you give up nine hits and they're all hard hit. You know, I don't, I'm not sure how that works with these guys. I think that maybe all of us need to kind of recalibrate how we think about starting pitchers in this era. Like not like Nolan Ryan was a freak. Uh, Roy Halladay was a freak and an anomaly. Sandy Koufax, like, his arm fucking fell off. So... Yeah, he retired at 30. Yeah, like, yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame at 35, 36. It's crazy. But... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is crazy. But, yeah, I think... I was saying, it's crazy that Koufax... I, didn't, I never thought about that. He was the Hall of Famer 
at 35, 36 years old, where a lot of pitchers today, or even back then, were like pitching for one final contract. That's that's wow, that's nuts. Right. I mean, like Nolan Ryan at 36 had 20 more seasons. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, 10 more seasons or 26. Yeah, he did. Uh, that was that was hype. That was a joke. But yeah, he pitched. I know. But could people realize how nuts Nolan Ryan was throwing 95 still at the age of 44? He's a superhero. He really is. And in that movie, in that documentary, Fastball, which I eventually watched the whole thing of, listeners to the podcast know uh, episode two, I think it was, of our start to the 2018 season. <laughs> I said, I talked about the documentary Fastball, and it became very clear to people he didn't watch the whole thing, did he? <laughs> I was talking out of my ass about it. And then I later went back and watched the whole thing. And then I'm like, hey, we got to bring this up again. Because before, I, I sounded like a fucking idiot. Um, you should hear they think in the 70s, Nolan Ryan threw 109 in a game. You should hear Joe's movie podcast where he watches half of every M. Night Shyamalan movie. Very good, man. That guy, I don't know how he does one best director every year. <laughs> oh, it's the endings. It's the endings that are a problem. I didn't realize. But uh, yeah, Nolan Ryan uh, is a freak show. That I mean, if you were like in my day, guys threw, uh, you know, 150 pitches a game, and it's just like, man, not not at the velocity that they're throwing now, not with the travel that they have now. It's different. Shit is different. No, it is totally different. But I, I only asked the question of. Um, now that now that we're seeing this, though, we're seeing the fact that it's not every pitcher, but there are some of these pitchers who are. You, are you telling me that Clayton Kershaw isn't a different guy come October? And I get why he's different. It's the end of a hard, long season. But if you're a, if you're running a baseball team, wouldn't you take that information and be like, "All right, we got to do something different because I I don't want my best pitcher looking mortal at the time in which I need him to be a superhero." Yeah, there's. You don't I, just blindly accept. Oh, he's gonna be bad come October. No, you would kind. Of, I I know you. You would definitely. All right. Let's figure this out. Let's figure out how we can make him still strong come October. Same thing with Chris Sale. Last year was Chris Sale. Um, people forget with the White Sox, he would usually do one DL stint to be like one little fifteen day thing. I mean, not that often, but Chris Sale. You look at his career history. Not a very good pitcher come September, and that that led over into October, and the Red Sox were bouncing the first round last year. Yeah, they've had some uh, disappointing postseasons like the past three years. So this year is nice though because they got such a huge lead that they could just make Chris Sale, hey, well, three four innings and an outing. I mean, I'm sure they'll give him five, but I would skip him every time, every now and then through the rotation. I would try to keep him as fresh as possible for when it's going to matter most. Yeah, I I would guess that that's what what they do like yeah postseason pitching is fucking weird and it's such small sample size that like i don't want to get into like kershaw having you never you never know with these guys like what's going on randy johnson was considered a bad postseason pitcher and then he had an amazing 2001 and people were like oh he's the shit and they forgot that he had a reputation for sucking in the postseason Barry Bonds had a reputation for sucking in the postseason. Ted Williams was injured. You know, it, it goes on and on, like guys who did not have good postseasons. And it's just very small sample size with very good players and pitchers. You can have one bad outing and be considered like a failure for your whole fucking career. 
Whereas like Kershaw came out of the bullpen in that Nationals game. Like remember that insane game five from 2016 where he comes out of the bullpen and I'm like unfucking believable that he comes out and pitches because Kenley couldn't go three innings. Kershaw comes out. They were wearing Kershaw saves as like a Jesus type of thing at Dodger Stadium. And then they play the Cubs and they come home to Wrigley and you and like everyone there just had this feeling that he was going to blow it. He had just been amazing. You know, so it's like I, I am a Kershaw apologist to a certain extent, but yeah, not, I mean, if you want everybody to be Madison Bumgarner in the postseason, Madison Bumgarner, John Lester, Madison Bumgarner also gave up a home run to Jake Arrieta for fuck's sake. It's yeah. just like we have selective memories and like, but obviously, you're, you're, you know, I, I think selective memories come into play when you're picking on one starter. So, but when you look at um, Clayton Kershaw, which I have his numbers, he's 24 games in the playoffs, 19 of them started, you know, 19 games starting. He's got a 4.35 earned run average. They don't seem to have fit for playoff stats. I think they would. What the fuck? Well, go to, go to Jack Morris because Jack Morris got into the Hall of Fame based off of one game. Jack Morris yeah, I mean, pitched 11 innings in Game 7 of the 91 World Series, I think. His postseason ERA is still a four. Like, well, yeah, I'm not sticking up for that either. I'm not, and I'm not even saying he deserves to be there. It's just, it, I, I get the small sample size, but it's weird. It's weird to me that these guys who are known for being shut down, unbelievable, you can't touch us 1.88 earn run averages and, and two even FIPS during the regular season, right. all of a sudden you, you're watching. You see this shit with your eyes. It's not like bad luck. People are hitting home runs off of them. Yeah, but he's In not. In game six, Will, Wilson Contreras hit a bomb off of him. Andy Rizzo Lefty hit a bomb off of him. I mean, these guys are getting fucking robbed. Well, he's not playing the fucking Marlins. That's true. That's true, too. But I don't, you know, and then you look at your guys like, obviously, I mean, I could go, I could look at Bumgarner's stats right now and you know they're fucking great in the playoffs and John Lester's stats are great in the playoffs too. This, I just think there's something Kershaw about- is not good in the playoffs because he was bad against the 2016 Cubs is like, just to me, it's like, come on, man. The, that team won the World Series. They, like he, they are good. We, hashtag we are good. <laughs> you know, like. Okay, do you know who Don Larson is? Yeah, of course I know who Don Larson is. But let me cut you off, though, because I feel like that was unfair. You just said to say that Kershaw's bad in the playoffs because how he performed against the 2016 Cubs. Okay, well, let's forget the 2016 Cubs. How about how he performed against the 2016 Nationals with his 5.84 ERA? Or how about against the uh, 2014 St. Louis Cardinals with a 7.82 ERA? Or how about how he performed against the uh, St. Louis Cardinals again in 2013 with a 6.30 ERA? Or about the Phillies in 2009 with his 9.45 ERA. I mean, is that fair? I just named four other series, five other series, and a bunch of other games. I was at a bar. That's a fair point, Jim. I was at a bar. Thank you. Sorry. I was at a bar uh, when Kershaw had that horrible game against the Cardinals. And this, like, Cholo turns to me and he goes, man, that's not Kershaw. That's a guy in a Kershaw jersey pretending to be Kershaw. (laughs) That's hilarious, but that's what it feels like when you watch something like that. I know, and he's, I know, I know. He had, yeah. He's, By the way, I'm not knocking Kershaw, and I'm not knocking Price or Scherzer, the other guys were kind of like, oh, they're a little bit worse in the playoffs. 
I'm just asking the question, why? And you answered it in part by saying, look, in the playoffs, you're facing better teams. You're not facing the Marlins and the, uh, you know, Reds and other, oh, the Reds have a great offense though, but you know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not, you're facing the cream of the crop. So naturally your numbers aren't going to be as dazzling. I, so th- thank you. You did answer part of my question. Because again, I'm not knocking these guys. I like these guys as a pitcher. I'm looking at a Clayton Kershaw bobblehead on one of my shelves right now. Right. Uh, I only give Kershaw crap on text threads with you just out of fun. So I think it's kind of fun. Um, I, I, do I think Kershaw's one of the greatest pitchers of all time? Hell to the yes. He's amazing. I'm just asking why. Because to me, part of what makes baseball fun or sports fun in general is to be like, why? Why was it one way this way? Why was it the other way that way? You know? And then. And that's why, that's why I love sabermetrics because a lot of times they give you the answer or at least they point you in the direction. But mo- most importantly about sabermetrics is they ask the question. Why? Right. why? No, okay. Why is this player better than that player? Why is my, it, point before um, was, my point before was, yes, you've heard of Don Larson. And you've heard oh, of yeah, Don I'm sorry. I totally messed it up. Yeah. They're a perfect you, game in the World Series. Right. But do you think that if he had not thrown a perfect game in the 56 World Series that – you or I would even know who he is. You and I can probably name one other pitcher on that Yankees team, Whitey Ford. And then I got nothing really Was Herb Pennock on that team. Like, I don't fucking know. Might've been. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. You're right. That, um, I mean, that's just the nature of things though. When you, because back then, especially back then, the world series was huge. The whole country watched in, in big numbers. And if you performed on that highest stage with people would say with all the pressure, you know, this is the world is watching. Um, it's the World Series, even though we know that's kind of silly because it's just America and one Canadian city that can play in it. Uh, but with the best players in the world. Yeah, that's true, too. I, yeah, you're right. I don't know why I became one of those people. I actually hate it when people go, well, is it called the World Series when it's not the whole world? Because these are clearly the best players in the world, dipshit. You know what I mean? I know, I know, I know. Baseball's catching on in Australia and the Netherlands, but until some of them start to come over more, I'm not gonna hold my breath. Yeah, when, uh, uh, thing- when Mike Trout comes out of Australia, guess where he's gonna go? Major League Baseball. Exactly, uh, and and I know, and I know that it'd be stupid for Major League Soccer (MLS) in America to call themselves the World Whatever because everyone knows the best players are in the English Premier League or in that uh, what's that Sp- Spanish league plays and all that like that's a great league so it's a little different with baseball we know the, the best athletes are playing in mlb nba nfl nhl so um the german league has the best name what's in the league bundesliga Ooh, i did not know that it's i mean some german words are fun to say other ones sound like have a glass of water my friend you know i always uh i always uh, like buscemi's uh Robert Buscemi's joke where he's like, do you know how to say puppet theater in German? And then he goes, Poopin Tieta. Oh, like it sounds like poop in the theater? Poopin Tieta. You know, when I have to explain the joke, it doesn't make it funnier. So I'm sorry I did that. <laughs> it's a good bit. And I made it sound like it wasn't. And I apologize. <laughs> what was I going on about? Oh, yeah. It's talking about um, playoff time with some of these guys with stuff like that. Uh, you're right. I mean, yeah, it, it comes down to sample size. It comes down to a few things, but I just want to know, like, if I was in charge of one of those teams, like Boston is in the perfect situation to do it right now. And then they kind of did that. Chris, Chris Sale missed a start. They put him on the 10 day DL. He came back yesterday. I think it was yesterday, the day before and, and dominated. So maybe expect them to skip him through the rotation once or twice come September when rosters expand. 
And then I, I also think about guys like John Lester and Bumgarner, although Bumgarner does rely on his fastball. Because I always thought a guy like Lester, who only throws 92-93, um, still pitches well come October because he's not as fatigued because he's not a, he doesn't rely on his fastball as much. Because of the guys who rely on the fastball to dominate, like your Max Scherzers and your Kershaws, come October, you know, it's been these guys, pitchers and catchers report in mid February. But you think, and, and come October, you consider, you're going to uh, be a little tired. You consider Kershaw a fastball pitcher? No, he doesn't rely on it that way, but Scherzer, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although Scherzer's, what's changed about Scherzer is that I guess that meant, I heard this during the broadcast last night, is that he used to be 80% fastballs. Now he's more 60 percent because he's secondary pitches have gotten really good and he changes his arm slot very well um he's got a little nice little tight slider and and um, a sinking is it his two seamer that taps down i know he's, i don't know if it's just a sinker or whatever but he threw it a couple times where i'm like that ball has definitely got some sinking action or even if you hit it it's you're pounding that shit into the dirt but let's get to the big moment also i gotta i gotta trash them because i've, I've given them i've given them compliments in the past and this goes to show you that even announcers could have bad games or bad days. We as a podcast, I'm sure we've released a couple duds <laughs> where you, the listener, are thinking, you know what? Brad and Joe just were not on their A game today. And it happens, right? So I still like A-Rod as an announcer a lot. I like Mendoza and I like the third guy. Overall, I think they're a pretty good team, but uh, they were awful last night. Awful. And I don't know if maybe Madden got in A-Rod's head because Madden and A-Rod had him talking because uh, A-Rod trashed you Darvish and then Madden came back and trashed A-Rod for trashing you Darvish and they had to have a meeting today. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But overall, I think the ESPN crew is pretty good and, and some people I know don't like them, but maybe it's because I think they're so much better than what we used to have to deal with, with Joe Morgan in the booth. And John Miller. Yeah. I mean, Miller wasn't bad for home run calls because he's got that classic old baseball voice, but his... I think, yeah, I just feel like Joe Morgan has become like a villain to the, to uh, you know, the smart fan contingency. Even though Joe Morgan should like more, we've said this a million times. He should like sabermetrics more than anyone. Yeah, no, you definitely corrected me on that one. I did not. I mean, I know, and he was a Hall of Famer, but I think through listening to Chicago hatred of him, because Chicago fans in particular hate Joe Morgan because he was a part of the Veterans Committee and denied Ron Santo from getting into the Hall of Fame while he was alive. Well, the thing, that, the thing that drove me crazy, like, he would say stuff like, you know, the basket in the outfield at Wrigley uh, is fairly new in the history of Wrigley Field. Like, I know that Wrigley Field is from 2014. Cubs started playing there 2016. Ernie Banks did never had that basket. He never had it. And, like... I think he had it for his last season, actually. Well... I know where you're going with this one because I remember watching this live and my dad cutting him up and then hearing everyone on sports radio the next day cutting up Morgan. Yeah, Morgan was like, they used to call that Banks's River because he hit so many home runs in the basket as if like to take away Ernie Banks's power as a, like a shortstop. He hit 512 home runs or something. He had 512 home runs. That was and I think ahead. In his, in his last season, they had the basket, I believe, and he had like, I don't know, seven. And so, like, they were all making fun of him the next day because he was like, uh, I think Morgan said the vast majority of his home runs came there. And he goes, really? That means in 1971 when the basket was put in, Ernie Banks had a 400 home run season? Had no idea. You think they would have made more headlines? Like, they're all giving him shit. Yeah, he said he was, he was a terrible announcer. Uh, and obviously a great player. Great. 
He hates anything new, new information, new this, new that. Uh, thinks that the game is the right way to be played. Will favor a guy who wears his socks to his knees, who can't hit for shit, over anyone who's got a little bit of flash. And uh, and and he denied Ron Santo, who was super deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. And it was a, and is, is a, a travesty that he got in after he died. You know, that yeah, he didn't get to enjoy it while he was alive. Um, uh, and yeah, you're right. And you're right. He should love he Joe Morgan should love Saber Matches because it shows that he's even better than people give him credit for. Because a lot of people think of him as like, ah, oh, he was a jerk and he was just on a really good team and he benefited from having all those hitters behind him and all this. But no, Morgan was awesome. And and he's a best and you and I, team. He was, yes. And you and I have gone over this because I was wrong because probably because I just heard the hatred from him. And you know how that stuff just like um you know how, like, you just said, uh, what's it called? There's a word. It's like some, some kind of bias. I, I had a bias of him being one way because I just heard so much about him. Right. You know what I mean? You know who I, I, I'm like one of those uh, kids in the South that is like, I think black people are cool, but my, my uncle hate them. I don't know why. Like, and then you end up being racist. <laughs> that was a weird stretch for that. But I was just trying to think of where, how you'd be influenced by older people. And I feel like older people who hated Morgan because he should talk to Cubs and Banks and Santo hated him unjustly as a player to take race out of it, but they hated him as a player. No, I, and then I ended up hating him. I hated him through osmosis is what I'm saying. I don't like the him. way he wrote become that, racist. He wrote that letter about steroids this year. Like there's so much to not like about him, but he was a hell of a fucking second baseman. No, he was great, but that's why I like this ESPN crew way better. You're coming off of that. And the Fox crew is better, too. The Fox crews have Tim McCarver. And Tim McCarver is one of the all-time worst announcers. You're a real man, Dion. Have you seen that clip? That's fun. I have not seen that clip. The Reds clinch something in, like, the, in like those Reds, those good Reds years when Dion was on them. Dion uh, dumped a bottle of champagne or beer on McCarver's head because McCarver had been trashing him. And Dion went out of his way to, like, soak McCarver during the celebration and on live TV McCarver's just sitting there going you're a real man Dion a real man that's how he got him back nice <laughs> all right now we, this is the longest setup to uh what we're getting to in a long time here but I just wanted to just point out that announcers could have bad days too because I tweeted like how they, much they suck. And I know I've tweeted in the past how much I like Mendoza and A-Rod. Like when A-Rod and Frank Thomas are together for the playoffs, it's, they're, they're the best. Um, but anyway, they were shit all game. And in the ninth inning, they were basically talking about how this game's over. And because the Cubs were down 3 nothing, And uh, what the Cubs need to do going forward. And how they're really missing Chris Bryant. Which they are. They're definitely missing Chris Bryant. And Joe Madden is pro I think Joe Madden should get NL manager of the year, even though there's a couple things here or there where I'm like, what are you doing, Joe? Uh, because they've got the best record in the National League, despite the fact that Chris Bryant, your best player, even though bias is amazing, Bryant's still your best player, um, has been out. And your closer, who's having a great year, Brandon Morrow, is out. And your big money free agent, you Darvish, has been out. Right. And the Cubs are still three-game lead on August 13th. So, yes, I think Joe Mann is your NL manager of the year. The Braves guy has got to get consideration, too. And um, I don't know who else is doing well enough to consider. It doesn't matter, though. That's not what we're talking about. So, Jason Hayward gets on in an infield single. Should have been an error if you ask me. Either way. Almore Jr. hit by pitch. Contreras. Wilson Contreras' at bat was interesting because he called timeout a couple times, which I know pissed off Ryan Madsen 
he just looked like, all right, like, I almost felt like Contreras was playing a little mental warfare, which then caused him to get hit by a pitch. So I'm going to give Willie a little bit of credit on that one. And then here comes David Bodie pinch hitting off the bench. Now, David Bodie is a 25-year-old minor leaguer who was drafted uh, Theo's first draft with the Cubs. I think he was a 15th round pick. Our 16th. I read this a couple of days ago, but I can't remember what round. But, you know, you know, not not early rounds, 15 or 16. You can still find some gems back there. But, you know, not like highly touted coming in at all. Um, uh, by the way, another another shout out to Donkey. You know how the Cubs have uh, AAA and Des Moines, the Iowa Cubs? Donkey is yes. like... I was all over David Bodie for years. Like I've, I've been, I've been a fan of him from, from, from way back. So it's like a donkey triple a hipster shout out to that. That is pretty dope, man. To be, I mean, I got, I got to go to an Iowa Cubs game. Des Moines is not that far, but um, do you think Royce Lewis is going to pan out? Oh, who fucking knows? <laughs> I only <laughs> asked because I got, I got a Cedar Rapids Colonel's bobblehead of his to go next to my Cedar Rapids Colonel's bobblehead of Mike Trout. I love that you got Iowa. That you got some Iowa. Yeah, I do. I got some Iowa stuff. Yeah, of course you would love that. Um, I'm looking at Bodie's minor league numbers. Always had a pretty solid walk rate, um, especially early on. His walk rate right now with the Cubs is 12. percent um, He's always been around. I mean, his career in the minors was was career total for everything's 12. percent But he has some seasons where um, he was um, up in the 16 percent, 19 percent. Oh, those are only kind of small samples. Anyway, though, he's got a good eye. Is what I'm saying. And that's usually a good start. Uh, I, I think when you look at a player to see how they're going to progress level to level in the minors, like going from a ball to whatever. I mean, I'm not saying hitters can't get better because they can, but when you got a guy who's got a naturally good approach and that's what walk rate tells you, what's this guy's approach, you know, all right, if, if they're not, if you're not getting results, then you know what you need to tweak. Cause it's like, all right, this guy has a good approach. He's not swinging at bad pitches. Maybe we could fix his swing a little bit. And Bodie's the guy whose swing they have tweaked. Um, he said starting in 2016, um, I want to say he said, because I heard him say this in an interview where they started talking about launch angle. Uh, 2017 in double A, he had uh, 14 home runs and uh, 127 games, 536 plate appearances, only 18% K rate. So that's pretty nice there. Um, 130 uh, WRC plus, which is basically OPS plus, which that means he's 30% or above league average, 140 the following year. And then that's your triple A. You started that's weight, weighted runs created plus. So it's like uh your WOBA if it was an OPS plus. So that's gonna make a guy who plays for the Rockies look uh human. Yes, good call. Yeah, yeah, because it takes ballpark into consideration. Uh anyway though, so this guy did like you know, again, never highly touted, but showed improvement in each level, good plate approach, played multiple positions. And now with this like tweaked swing, and it's a nice swing, and he is doesn't qualify because the sample size is way too small. This is something where you really have to do be like, this is way too small sample size because he only has about, I think he's got 90 plate appearances now. <clears throat> but all through those 90 plate appearances, he is the hardest contact right now of baseball. Aaron Judge, number two, Stanton, like number three or four. Does uh, he? That's crazy. Yes, David Bodie has the high, the hardest contact rate in baseball right now. Holy shit. Yes, he hits bullets. And I noticed that early on when I'm like, man, even this guy gets out, he hits the ball hard. One of those dudes. Yeah. And you can tell that's he really crazy. gets in that swing, he gets that torque. I mean, I know that we're getting to it, but that was crushed last night. 
it was 110 off the bat, which obviously is fantastic. It wasn't the 121 of Stanton, but 110, that is one worth talking about. 445 feet to dead center. And we're getting to it, everybody. Walk off Grand Slam. You guys know. If you listen to this podcast, you know what fucking happened. I wanted to build it up to be all suspenseful, but I it was it was dude like I was I I was watching in the basement with my dog and I yelled out, my dog got all what the fuck, you know? It's like, you know, she was like, whenever I go nuts for sports, she doesn't get that I'm watching TV and what happened. But uh dude, that was insane because it was just the, the fact that the announcers were already like my uh, we want to thank our producers, you know, next week there's going like they were already running off the game. And then, boom! And that's where we talked about at the beginning. That Santa Maria call, as he said, as the ball went around, um, when the ball went into the dead center field. What I liked about Bodie was, uh, sorry, Brian, I'm doing some rambling here. The pitch that, because it was a 2-2 count, the pitch that was strike two barely nicked the bottom of the strike zone. Most umpires probably would have called it a ball. It looked a little low. I mean, the top of the ball might have grazed the strike zone. And he kind of had a look in his face like, all right, you're going to call that. I got to watch for it. And he knew 2-2 two, two count. He said, he goes, I thought Manson would go back to that pitch again. So I was looking to go to center field with it. He had that in his mind beforehand. And I go, this is a smart hitter. And that's where approach comes in. And that's where you look at a guy's walk right? to be like, all right, he gets it. Because he did. You see him get low knowing I got to fucking get under this and drive this fucking ball. And he thought he felt that's that a, ball. That's a smart hitter. He, I, right. That's what, that's, what's most impressive about me right about him right now. Now, of course, some people listening might be like, all right, settle down 25 year old rookie, but who knows? He might've made the show a little bit earlier if he wasn't behind a few other people. Um, right. I, it's just, I, I, I know I should be, you know, calming myself down a little bit about him, but, uh, everything I've seen from him, I like a lot plays really good defense. And like you said before, seems like a smart player. Uh, great clubhouse guy, you know, stuff like that. I don't really put that much on it because yeah, yeah I feel like a lot of people, when they say he's a, he's a good clubhouse guy, you're, you're trying to make up for something he sucks at. So, yeah. He's, uh, he's a good hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? He used to be always like, <laughs> he's a great guy. He tips well. He is, he's no pride. You know, he's, he shows up on time. You know, it's like, okay. He's got a, he's got a great personality. There you go. Uh, so it makes me think that the Cubs now into this off season have, a nice little depth problem in which they could flip some uh, one or two of these guys for some pitching. Are Addison Russell's days numbered on the north side come next year? Oh God, I I think that the Cubs need to make a play for Manny Machado, but I said Manny, and I was like, that sounds like Ramirez. So I know I, I call him Machado in post because I don't want people thinking Manny. Man, oh, Machado. You know what I mean? Like, I think when I hear Manny, I think Manny Ramirez. Cubs are going to get Pedro, and then it's like, you know, some guys are first name. Manny Ramirez, he got busted for steroids, but, I mean, he's first name basis. So, yeah. The thing I, about Addison Russell, though, is he's got a 1.7 war right now. His defense is still great. His offense just is not. He's a below average offensive player. And it's like he had a grand I don't slam know. in the World Series. I'm never gonna hate him. I'll never hate him either. I'll never, you know, I'll always love him. I'll always love anybody um who, who did great stuff for those cops. I mean, I'm not gonna love chat, <laughs> but I'm not gonna, you know. No, I still get I still get text messages from my dad like, oh man, Fowler's in a walking boot. <laughs> I'll always love Dexter Fowler. Yeah, Dexter Fowler's my boy. He's my hero. Um Game seven, World Series, walk off, not walk off, uh, 
we walk on home run in game seven walk on home run a walk on oh they should call a leadoff home run a walk on home run damn you got to get that one going i like that <laughs> uh but yeah so then it makes the cubs with a three-game lead it was just exciting as hell and and brido give the listeners some of the history of how rare what he did was we i, I couldn't believe this but uh and if you've seen the tweets then you already know this and you can say it along with me but that is when you're down three runs and you hit a walk-off grand slam it is called an ultimate grand slam, a walk-off grand slam. And I couldn't believe like you, that it had not happened in baseball since 1936. Yeah, and that- the last time that there was a walk-off grand slam in baseball. And there were no outs in that game when the guy hit it. I can't remember off the top of my head. Buddy Myers or some shit. Some uh, real 1930s sounding name. But, and Bodie was a pinch hitter. Like a pinch hit walk off grand slam. I mean, that is. I wish like, it was a full count. I know. It's two, little, and two. I, two and two is fine, but if it was a full count, because a full count is the fantasy, everybody. When you're a kid, I know I did this. You know, it's oh my God. basketball. Yeah, if you're a basketball player, what do you do? Five, four, three, two, at the buzzer. You know, you you do that and you're around. In baseball, when you're messing around and you're swinging the bat and you're fantasizing, you're thinking, all right, Mike Bryant signed up to the plate. Team down three, nothing, bottom of the ninth. You also do the game seven of the World Series too. But, you know, take that away. Yes, yes. Bottom of the ninth, three, two count. Cubs down three, nothing. The pitch. Yes. It's deep. It's way back. It's a walk-off grand. I'm like, that's, that's the fucking dream. And in two and two count, three, two count, whatever, you hit it. That's the dream. But in your fantasy, you always do the three, two count because it makes it even more dramatic. And I right. think that's what I – I was watching an old episode of The West Wing. Obviously, all the episodes of The West Wing are old. I don't know why I said an old episode. They're, it's a show that's in complete rewrite. <laughs> that's a fucking stupid statement. Um, I, I caught The West Wing recently. Like, I was just you know watching some shit on Netflix. And uh, in the one episode, I, like, Rob Lowe's character was saying um, – I don't know why, because he went to a hockey game the night before and everyone was asking him how the game was. He goes, why don't they just put a sumo wrestler as like the goalie? Wouldn't that be great? Like, I think you'd, you'd stop the puck a lot. And then they were all like, no, he'd give up a ton of goals. Are you crazy? Like, they're all giving him a hard time. And then uh, John Hoynes, who was the vice president, who's played by Tim Matheson, who I've always liked, who was in uh, Animal House back in the day. He's the star of that movie. He says to him, ah, hockey, it's, it's fine, you know, but I can never really get into it. I think Americans, we love the setup, you know, fourth and inches. Uh, you know, the NBA one last second timeout or in baseball, uh, the game winning run is on third base, uh, lefty up to bat manager brings in a left-handed pitcher, the pitch. Like we'd like that moment is set up where he says in hockey, the moment kind of comes out of nowhere where he made made a joke saying the announcer doesn't even realize it's about to happen. You know, right. It's like, you know, uh, you know, Kane to Taves, Taves back across the ice. He finds Panarin on the right wing, Panarin crosses. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, holy shit, it happened. Like, like, which is also fun. It's, it's, I'm a huge hockey fan. And that's what I like about going to hockey games in particular is when you're at a hockey game, your eyes are on the ice for those 20 minutes of that period. Then intermission comes, you run, you grab a beer, you know, some food, take a piss, you come back and boom, you're back. You're like, it has your attention. Yeah. Uh, where baseball, you could have conversation. I actually think that's part of the beauty of baseball, <laughs> which I saw in, in Ken Burns' documentary about baseball. I think it was George Will. I'm not crazy about it, but he does speak very uh, eloquently about baseball. He George said Will that, is a... He's a Cubs fan, yeah. 
George Will said that part of the beauty about baseball is it allows for conversation. You could keep score. You could talk. You could do this. You could, you know, really reminisce about the game and how you would do situations. And then when the moment is there, then you get on your feet. That's what's cool about their feet. They, you rise to the occasion because you're like, oh, shit, here we go. Bases loaded. Two outs. Bottom of the ninth. Two strikes. Let's go. Like, home run wins it all. And how, oh man, I wish I was at that game. And I feel like a dick for even saying that because in your birthday video to yourself of what we talked about earlier with your YouTube series, my favorite game, you referenced me because I was at two of your favorite events ever. Yeah. And here I am being selfish saying, why wasn't I there last night too? No, you're the Forrest Gump of good games. I'm surprised that you weren't there. <laughs> I know, right? Damn, man, that's a way to describe it. I love that. The Forrest Gump of good games. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's go around the league a little bit. Um, the Cubs, as you know, we're obviously uh, biased and we're big Cub homers on this podcast, so we're hoping this leads to some sort of, uh, you know, gets the mojo going and the Cubs go on a, you know, win eight of their next ten type of run. Because in the second half, I mean, they're seven and four in August, but in the second half, they basically were playing five hundred ball. Uh, I think the injuries are starting to catch up with them, right. or that's why they're kind of inconsistent because of it. Because you have a couple of scenarios. I mean, John Lester, I, I was wrong. I, I mean, maybe I wanted to believe too much in what Lester was saying about FIP being overrated. But the FIP has caught up to him. Because at one point, he had like a 2-2 ERA, but his FIP was 4.3. And you were wise enough to be like, I don't think this is sustainable. And I was trying to be like, well, Lester made a good point the other day when he said, if the wind's blowing in, I'm not worrying about home runs. But now that the wind's blowing out, he's starting to get rocked. So it's like, buddy. That's you why know, you that said that earlier in the year. That stat fucking exists for a reason, everybody. No, yeah, it's it's a good stat. I mean, it's um, it's I don't like when people act like it's a be all end all though because I've seen people. I do think you you have to watch a lot of it with your eyes. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a great stat. What I worry about with Lester is the strikeout rate because Hendricks actually. I was worried about Kyle Hendricks for a little bit during the year. The Cubs, one of the Cubs' other top pitchers, uh, but he's actually in his last five starts. Four or five, I think his last four or five starts, he's got like 43 Ks to like three walks or something. So his he's really been pitching great and his FIP has been going down. Um, so I'm not as worried about Hendricks anymore, but Lester, the strikeout rate is completely dropping off, which is weird because he's throwing his fastball is up in the second half. So I, I don't know if he's just missing his spots badly. I don't know if they, I, I don't know what exactly. That offense is going to have to carry this team. And I'm, I'm just hoping that uh, Bodie's home run kind of ignites something in this team that, because like I, I had like a billion text messages about this, like Josh Cheney saying it felt like October, you know, you're playing the nationals. Like you played them in the playoffs last year. They've made the playoffs like every year of the decade, you know, like maybe they're in third place right now, but I mean, guys, it's, it's the dog days of August. It's, it's mid August, you know, but Holy shit, man. Like, don't you want to feel that good? Like going forward? Don't you want to, don't you want more moments like this? Like a David Bodie grand slam, you know, like little kid in the backyard running around the bases, like an airplane, like, Fuck yeah, oh man. man, he the bat flip was fantastic. The way he ran around the bases was fantastic. Throwing the helmet up in the air, jumping up. No, that was great. I was, uh, yeah, of course you want that. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think you're right. The offense is going to have to carry them until they. And, and, but you know what though? You got a whole month of September. You got another week or two, a couple weeks of August left. 
I'm hoping that's enough time to write the ship. If you know, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about before with uh, some of these stud pitchers fatiguing in, and I'm not saying Lester is in their camp with uh, Kershaw and Scherzer. Um, at least not this year. He's had years where he's been up there, but not this year. Uh, I'm thinking if I'm the Cubs, I come up with a fake injury for Lester, let him sit out a start or two, clear his head a little bit. Cause he's a gamer. He's been one of those guys that's got really good. Maybe he's bored. Maybe Lester is bored. I don't know. Maybe he's like, just wake me up when October comes. John Lester, if you look at his career, he's what? 80% of his seasons have resulted in a playoff berth. Yeah. I mean, with Boston, with the Cubs, even with Oakland that one year, I mean, he's used to being in the playoffs. Yeah. I remember there was a terrible meme when the Cubs first signed John Lester that went around. Uh, Dylan, our White Sox fan friend, will remember this meme. It showed John Lester, and the quote on the picture was, uh, I signed with the Cubs because I was promised October's off. Well, he has yet to have an October off with the Cubs. So fuck that meme is what I'm saying. Um, but what a, I, I don't stupid, know. Um, what a stupid fucking meme. They've been in the at least the NLCS every single year he's been there. Yeah, I mean, they did that right when he signed, though, coming off a 2014 season. That wasn't great. But the 2014 Cubs, though, I remember being pumped about because the last two months of the year, they played great baseball. Look at Arietta's stats from 2014. 2014. Very good. 2014 stats were fantastic. I, th- I, don't, I don't think he qualifies for the regular season, but he has like a five-war. Arietta was dope as fuck. 2014 and then 2015 is when the world noticed. Yeah, 2014, he was second in FIP, I think, behind Kershaw, like a low twos FIP. And his, like, his FIP was less than his ERA, if I recall. I got I to gotta find out exactly, because I don't want to be yeah. wrong on that. Like, um, Rizzo had a good year. Like, that's when Rizzo was the shit. Rizzo still. Yeah, Rizzo had a big year. Uh, Rizzo was an all-star in 2014. So I was optimistic. I remember in 2015 predicting the Cubs to win the wild card. But here's what I said. I said they'd win the wild card, the second wild card, with about 88 wins. They won the second wild card, so I was right there, but they had 97 wins. And um, I, I remember I had my fantasy football draft, uh, and someone was saying the Cubs were actually playing pretty well that in 2014. I think in August and September of 2014, they were like 32 and 26 to close out the season. It still only won like 74 games, but that's what they did. And uh, I had to do FaceTime because I'd moved to L.A., and I did FaceTime um, for the fantasy football draft where one of the guys who's a big Sox fan was like, so you think the Cubs are going to win the World Series next year? And I go, no, I think they'll win the wild card. I think they'll win the World Series the next year. And I forgot I said that, but a couple of my friends who were at the draft reminded me after we won the World Series. They're like, dude, you called that. You said wild card, then World Series. And I was like, well, because I'm the fucking smartest man alive. But uh, yeah, in 2014, he only had 156 innings, so it wasn't enough to qualify. 25-game start. Uh, he had a 2.53 earn run average, but a 2.26 FIP. So I was correct. So his ERA should have been less. What was his war? What was war? Like five? His war was five. Oh, exactly. <clears throat> five See, war player in 25 games. That's amazing. Then they bring in Madden. They get a culture change. And then when they got Lester, I was like, oh, this is – no, they're, they're going for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because then I, they, they traded for Miguel Montero who was, uh, I mean, was coming off a disappointing season with Arizona, but was known as a great pitch framer, which we had Wellington Castillo, who was a terrible pitch framer. And I think I think some of the advanced analytics have kind of not, I mean, they've backed away from, I remember there was a couple of years there where pitch framing, pitch framing, pitch framing, that's all. 
new buzzword for metrics for catch. Well, I mean, still people still look at it. That's what Yadi Molina was good at, and yes. I think whatever he he gives his entire salary to the media, so that they fucking rub his junk. He must because they they are they everyone thinks he's a first ball Hall of Famer. Um, when, let me look at something here real quick. Here I want to. I'm looking at the 2014 Cubs. I'll oh, go ahead. I'm saying when he's not having sex with his own mother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, call back to when uh, Yadier Molina <laughs> went nuts because someone called him a motherfucker. Uh, oh, yeah. Kyle Hendricks had a very good year, too, in 2014. He only started 13 games, though. But remember, he just got called up. I think he was 24 at the time. He uh, had a 2.46 ERA in those 13 starts with a 3.32 fifth. Um, so obviously the ERA was better, but he's a, a guy like him is always going to have that. But a three point three two FIP is still very good. Everybody, I feel like I feel like uh, twenty fifteen his FIP was like I remember thinking like God damn he's probably the most underrated pitcher in the National League, and then the next year he's like a Cy Young contender. That's why those stats are important. I could look at Kyle the, well, the- twenty fifteen and be like he's fucking good. You know, yes, I, I think it's very important because. Not like very important, but what they do, they they're they're just kind of a measure of like, is this guy? For, I, you know, I know there's some fans who are like, look, 120 RBIs is, is amazing. It is 120 RBIs is fantastic. What what advanced stats tell you about our, the RBI in particular is that just because you have 120 RBIs one year does not mean you're going to have 120 RBIs the next year because it relies on who the fuck is in front of you. It's right. a team statistic more than anything. And the same thing with wins and losses. Like you said before, of course, if a guy wins 20 games every year, odds are he's really, really good. But what we're trying to tell you is that it's not indicative of what you could expect year in and year out. Right. Because because it's a team stat is what we're saying, basically. Now, with, with, with FIP, it's... A more, it's just a little bit more accurate. It's not the end-all, be-all, but it's a, it's another bigger piece of the puzzle because you're right, earn-run average, a guy could be giving up line drives all over the field and his team is making diving catches. And at the end of that, yo, he had seven shutout innings. That was amazing. The next day he pitches the same, but guess what? Those line drives were a couple feet over in one direction or another and now they're landing for doubles. Yeah. I think, oh, I guess he had a bad game. No, it's, that's who he is, really. And the right. anomaly was the game that he threw seven shot in innings because the defense was there for him. Some of these guys, I mean, if you look at Chris Sale and it's just like, well, his he's got a great FIP and a great ERA. It's like, yes, <laughs> no coincidence. But no coincidence, guy, yeah. If you look at a guy like James Paxton from Seattle, that dude's ERA is not telling you how fucking good he is. You know, and there's other examples like that. Like every year, somebody's like a stud with a shit ERA. Granted, sometimes it means that that guy's getting shelled. You know, but it's these are these stats are used for a reason, and they can help you paint a full picture in your head of what's going on. John Lester was overperforming. I don't know if that's a word but he was performing out of his ass earlier in the season. It had to come back down to normal. If you look at somebody and they have like an insane uh, batting average on balls in play, that can tell you it's going to come back down to normal. These things are important. I didn't want to be right about Lester. I said that on the podcast. I do not want to be right about this, but Lester has to come back down to normal. I thought he was not an all-star. I'll just say that. 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, it was funny because he was named pitcher of the month for the month of June. Uh, you're right about Hendricks, too. Hendricks' 2015 season, he had a 3.95 ERA, but his FIP was 3.36. So his ERA made him look worse than he was when he really was good. He had a 3.4 war, which is a pretty solid season, especially that was his first full season. So that's for your first full season as a pitcher, 3.4 is, is a damn good war. Yeah, I was like, God damn, that's a good – I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's not it's – a, it's a B-plus war or a solid B. Four, yeah, a, but four for your first full season, that's very good. Yeah, four, four or above is all star level. Yeah, yeah, seven is fucking MVP. So yeah, yeah. But Hendricks has only had two full seasons. I'm looking at because last year he was had spent some time on the DL. Uh, still had a solid overall season last year too. Um, all right, well, moving on. Um, uh, we already talked about Boston being freaking Boston, and it's it's. They are embarrassing the league. I mean, if you're a Red Sox fan, like you, you must be laughing right now at how good they are. Well, they were also this good in 2016, and that didn't go so hot. Did the Red Sox? I mean, they were not. They were good. They weren't this good, though. Uh no, not this good. But no, because this this is like historically good. They're well, they're gonna flirt with the record. Oh man, the 2017 Indians were the greatest team of all time. The 2017 Dodgers were the greatest team of all time. The, I mean, I am a. If the 2016 I'm a, Cubs were the greatest team of all time. Then they oh, won. Wait. Then they won. The Cubs are the only team, or not, not the Cubs. I'm sorry. The Cubs are the were uh, since 2009. Was it or not 2009? Since 99 or 98? Oh, right, the best Ooh. team. Was it? Yeah. Because the team with the best record almost never wins the World Series. Even last year, the Astros were the second best record. Right. Like the Cubs in 2016 had the best record and they won it all. Yeah, because I remember in 2014 when it was Giants and Royals, neither team won 90 games. It was like 88 and 89 wins for both those teams. And They're so both was, wild cards, I believe. And so it was just like, yeah, but yes, because the Royals played the. Uh, Lester in the wild card game they, that you reminded yep. me of. You're talking about that, and that's when we figured out that you could steal on Lester. Uh, yeah, that's because he didn't. He didn't check. That was what's so funny about that. Nobody knew that that he that whole season he didn't throw Boston, the first once. He spent how in many Boston. In Boston were they psychos, and no one no one knew. To, anyway, uh, what was I talking about? The oh the yeah. So if I'm a Red Sox fan, I'm kind of nervous because it's like a regular season hot shit team in the playoff or the wild card era has got to be nerve wracking. Because well, a lot of it, I always sorry. Go ahead. Well, you, I mean, yeah, you got to be happy that they're not winning that one game wild card. Like a fucking Yankees have to be horrified. They're going to win a hundred, hundred and one games. <laughs> And go to the fucking wild card. That's only happened like it, nine times. It almost seems unfair. It's something I talked about with when the Cubs got screwed over. Not screwed, but the Cubs won 97 games, had the third best record in all of baseball. And, you know, luckily we beat the Pirates. But I feel bad for the Pirates. Forget it from the Cubs' fan point of view. I'm from the Pirates' fan point of view. They had the second best record in all of baseball and one bad game and they're out. And they're, they're, their team's golfing. So that's kind of a bummer. But, you know, those are the rules. It makes it exciting. The second wild card was a genius addition for baseball because you have so many more teams in play in the National League, the American League, we already went over. I, I think, though, with, uh, with 
Boston being so far in front and like you were saying, why these teams, you, you, you'd be nervous as a fan because you're like, you know, yeah, we're going to win 110 games or so, but we could easily just get knocked down the first round is do these teams clinch? They clinch so early that their team has two to three weeks of just doing nothing, playing meaningless games. It's almost like they're going through a spring training again because they have 40 man rosters come September and yeah, that, you got guys that, getting playing time that aren't aren't supposed to be and stuff like that. Right, it becomes garbage time, but nobody remembers late September garbage time baseball. They remember the the pennant chases that do matter. They'll remember that this year. They'll remember the wild card races and that sort of thing. Like I don't remember much about 2016 or or last year. Well, I'm just thinking, is that a reason? Because we, we think about Seattle when they won 114 games. We think about, like, oh, there's so many one seeds, or I've called them one seeds, even though in baseball you don't really use that terminology. But there are so many teams that are the best team in baseball. They clinch with two weeks to go, and then they get bounced in the first round. And you're thinking, well, I guess they weren't that good. And I'm thinking, well, maybe part of it is just they get soft. I don't know what the word, not soft, but they get bored those last two weeks, and now you got to get up again. Teams... You see it in football. So many wild card teams, excuse me, so many wild card teams end up making it to the Super Bowl because the last few games of the regular season are intense playoff like games. So they're like ready come playoff team, playoff time, where these other teams who are sitting on their ass for the last two weeks because they clinched so damn early have to get themselves back up again for it. I don't know. There's got to be something with the psychological effect. Right. And who's coming in? Who's coming in uh, do or die and hot? Like, for a while, yeah, coming like, in hot. It's like this is kind of like rigged for the wild card teams, almost. You know what I mean? But they kind of, they kind of shut that down with that one, with that one game. To be honest, because like you're throwing the fucking kitchen sink at the wall. What's the th- what? What am I looking for? You're throwing everything with the kitchen sink. You're throwing everything at the wall. Whatever the saying is. Yes. You got area. Yeah. Going nine innings, he's fucked for the rest of the playoffs, but it's do or goddamn die. It's game seven. Yeah, you got it. You treat it like that's why it's exciting as hell. Make sure you make your ball sack tighten up a little bit. What oh, is the female bad. equivalent to that? Uh, Melissa, if you're still listening, what's the female equivalent? Because you know how guys, when, when you get intense, you, you know, your sack tightens up a little bit when you're like, ooh, that's one of those moments. Do, do women have that? Do the vagina muscles tighten up? I have no idea what the hell I'm saying right now. Um, <laughs> anyway, though, the American League playoff pitcher I said nothing isn't exciting about that. Yeah, you were smart. You're like, I'm going to let Joe talk his way into some stupid shit here. But the playoffs, the American League playoffs themselves, I feel like could be very exciting because you could set, I, I see it setting up Yankees Boston front run, first round. Um, no offense to Oakland, although I do like Oakland's team right now. They're fun to watch. I've always been a big, big Billy Bean fan, so I'd be totally happy if Oakland knocked the Yankees out. Uh, but don't count Cleveland out just because Cleveland plays in a bad division and they haven't had like one of those amazing world beater regular seasons like they did last year. But forget you forget Cleveland in a five game series. Oh my god, they got some stud pitching right there. Oh my that god, is no, there's no walk in the park for Houston. Look at Bauer, Kluber, Carrasco, Clevenger, and I feel like I'm missing somebody. That's four starters in the top 10 in the American League in FIP and war. And I think Carrasco drops off when you get to ERA. But that's at least four pitchers. They have four of the top ten pitchers in the fucking league. And I know that the Astros have Verlander and Cole, uh, you know, playing well. But for that, for people saying that the Astros had the greatest staff of all time, fucking no, the Indians do again. 
Yeah, Bauer, Kluber, Carrasco, Clevenger. Is there anyone else I'm missing? And then they still have a very good bullpen. Um, and they got a good offense. I don't see it. I mean, plus they, on that offense. Plus they got they, Jose Ramirez, who could be an MVP. They're the third best player in the American League. Second or third. I'm going to say Mookie Betts and Mike Trout, two and one. And then Ramirez is three. And then Lindor, hitting and playing defense. Yeah, Lindor is one. He's up there. Um, I exciting player in baseball, but Lindor is right up there near him. They're uh, yeah, Mookie Betts is first in WAR right now. Jose Ramirez is second in WAR. Mike Trout is now third in WAR, but they're one. Betts seven point eight, Ramirez seven point seven, Trout seven point six. So yeah, seven you, you can make an argument for any of those three. Yeah, I'm sorry. Eight, what they have eight wars in August. Jesus Christ. So, I know it's crazy. And Frank and Lindor is six seven. Yeah, man. <laughs> like so. That team is underperforming by leaps and bounds. They're still projected, by the way, 94 wins, same as the Cubs. But that's on 538. But the Indians, like, they could be playing it Which smart. changes every day. What if, what if the Indians are just like, last year we won whatever they won, 25 games in a row. Like, that was stupid. Let's win this easy-ass division, creep in there, play the – Fucking Astros in the first round or the Red Sox and really sh- fucking show them who's boss, Cleveland. Kind of like when the Golden State Warriors won 73 games, but then they lost in the finals. Maybe the next the next year they weren't going for it. The next, right. year, they, the next year they added Kevin Durant and even announced. Because when they added Kevin Durant, people were like, are they going to go undefeated? Are they going to go 82-0? Right. And then they came out going, no, nah, we don't even care about that. And they didn't. They, they were benching guys. They were having games where they're like, hey, you know what? For fun, let's all just uh, let's shoot with our eyes closed. All game. Just for fun. Because who gives a shit? We know we're going to the playoffs. We know we're going to dominate. And we're going to the finals again. I think Cleveland probably thought to themselves, I like your theory here, Brida. I'm subscribing to it. I think that Cleveland Indians thought, we play in a shit division. Okay? The Twins look like they could be better, but they, they didn't pan out. We know the White Sox are rebuilding. The Royals are going to be bad. The Tigers are rebuilding. Yeah, why, why be world beaters over this? Let's get in the playoffs, and let's most importantly be healthy and rested and ready to rock come October. Let's rock it. Let's rock October. What? 97.9 The Loop FM. You know, Let's win 11 in a row in October. <laughs> but, yeah, that's – think about it, though, man. No one's talking about that Indians team. Everyone's talking about the American League East because – that's a crazy two top teams, whatever. Everyone's talking about the Astros. They're defending champions. Everyone's talking about Oakland because they were supposed to be rebuilding. Now they're in the lead for the wild card. People are talking about how exciting it would be for Seattle. People are talking about Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. So the West people talk about, the East people talk about, zero people outside of Cleveland, Ohio talk about the Central. And Don't sleep on Cleveland. Dude, they're going to fucking go to the World Series this year. They might be my pick. I got, you know what? I'm changing it. Cubs, Indians, World Series rematch. That's br- Get your dicks ready and your vaginas ready. That's Let's, brutal. That's brutal for Cleveland, though. <laughs> dicks erect and, and vaginas wet. That's what's going to happen come October. Well, if you could beat anybody in the World Series, who would you beat? Who would you want to beat? I, the Yankees. The Yankees? Yeah, because I, I had a fantasy back in 2003 that the Cubs were going to face the Yankees in 03. We all know the Marlins faced them and beat them. I wanted to be Cubs-Yankees, and in my thing, in my head, I wanted the Cubs to win, 
And it was going to be like a passing of the torch. It was going to be the best team of the last century getting mm. beaten by the best team of the next century. Because in my mind, the 03 Cubs were set up for long-term success, and I was wrong. And it hurt a lot to be wrong about that. But here we are, 2016, still early in the century. You know, the Yankees were the best team of the win shit in the first two decades. And so here we go. 20, 2018, 2018 Cubs could beat the Yankees in the World Series. I would like that, that imagery of the two pinstripe teams, two of the most historic franchises in baseball for different reasons, facing off in October. Yeah, that'd be fun. Cubs Red Sox would be fun. Cubs anybody would be fun. I'm selfish like that. But if you're asking me, gun to my head, who do I want? I'd want the Yankees. Okay. I like it. Be the man again. I mean, honestly, the American League team scared the shit out of me, all of them. <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. If, if, if the Cubs could write their pitching or it'd be nice, you know, with the, you could still make another move through the non-waiver deadline. You got till August 31st on that. Is there 31 days in August? Yes. Uh, you could, uh, um, maybe, maybe another bullpen arm to try to just, you could go Kansas City Royals style. Remember the 2015 Royals? They were, their starters would be pulled after the fifth. And it became a bullpen game. I wonder if the Cubs could try to pull something like that where we just have to be honest with ourselves. Because right now, if the playoffs start tomorrow, Cole Hamels is your ace. He's your one. <laughs> Hendricks is your two. And then you're kind of worried after that. Quintana's been incredibly inconsistent. Hendricks, the last four or five starts, is looking much better. And Hamels is looking good. But then where do you go from there? You go Lester four because you have to. Or Montgomery. No, I'd probably have Montgomery in there. I don't even know if I have John Lester start a playoff game, which is insane to think of given his playoff history, but you're going off the right now. Yeah, I don't I don't put him out there. Right. I have to I have Montana. Uh, not Montana, Montgomery. Joe Montana. I bring Joe Montana back bring it. Um, out of Joe, retirement. Joe Montana, big, big uh, Cubs fan. He is. All right, man, let's wrap up the podcast right now. Um, we gave you a longer podcast this week because we feel bad about not being there last week. Maybe we'll come up with some fun stuff to do for the stretch runs come September and October. While everyone else is getting in more into football, which I'm a fan of, I, uh, you, Brian and I could really dial up the baseball for you baseball lovers out there, for you fit tarts, and and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and get into that. again. Like, uh, check out the YouTube videos. Go on YouTube.com/slash Mike Bridenstine, and you got that playlist of uh, great videos. And um, yeah, also, do any graphic designers listen to the podcast? Brian and I are going to change the cover up for a third time. I like the emoji thing that you did, Brido. It was fun and cool. But then when I saw the image of it next to all these other podcasts, I thought we could do better. I just thought we could do better. Um, maybe we'll, I, I don't know. So I'm thinking if there's any graphic designers with any ideas, Brido and I are open to any suggestions. We just want the logo to show that we're comedians talking baseball. Anything fun like that would be cool. What about the MLB logo? But it's two guys with microphones so all you need to do is take the that's the sklar brothers logo for their podcast well we need to rename ourselves the sklar brothers that sounds pretty good we could be uh twins is that really their logo god damn it they they had yeah they had one very similar to that i thought about that originally at one time um yeah i don't know some kind of fun logo would be cool what about national league eagle holding a microphone doing stand-up that's, that'd be kind of cool. I, I like the idea of like I don't know. us, like you know, me and you back to back, like a buddy cop film, and you got a bat over one shoulder, and I got a mic stand over a shoulder. Kind of like I don't know, 
something fun like that. Oh, someone swinging a mic stand. Yeah, almost like it's a baseball bat, but we're Bo Jackson thing. Bo Jackson breaking a mic stand over his knee. Come on, that's fun. Any graphic designers want to make that? I'll give you five dollars. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna end on that thought. So take that image and run with it because I think uh, we could be doing better with uh, our our cover art and could get more people to listen to this great podcast that we're doing here. Uh, for Mike Bridenstine, I'm Joe Kilgallen. You know to listen to his album. It's on Spotify. The Hungry Wolf Hunts Best. Oh, by the way. Uh, buy Before we go, Apple. I want to talk about this. I saw a headline. Willie Mays says, put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. All right. We were going to talk about that. And, of course, it's his godson. And we could definitely talk about that. Uh, we'll save it for next week. We do a lot of Hall of Fame talk and, and, and history of the game. I'll save it for next week, though. I, I was going to get to that. And I didn't because we, we were so much fun shit was going on already. Um, but, yeah, maybe we could save that for next week because uh, the Giants retired Bonds' jersey. All right, we'll save it for next week. So a little teaser for everybody. Uh, this has been Comedians Talking Baseball. Thanks, everybody.